0: This is Stan Bush I sing Fight to Survive in the movie Bloodsport You're listening to Justin Ray Harvey
1: This is Paul Herzog, composer of the music from Bloodsport and Kickboxer, and you're listening to Justin Ray Harvey.
0: Time for the hottest internationally known podcast that is endorsed by some of the biggest names in the world of martial arts and entertainment. The Justin Harvey Show has interviewed some of the biggest stars from movies like Blood Fist, Blood Sport, Kickboxer, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. This show provides some of the best sound quality and interviews on the web. So sit back and enjoy. You won't be disappointed. So without further ado, here is your 2015 Hall of Famer and host, Justin Harvey. Hello ladies and gentlemen, Justin Harvey here of the Justin Harvey Show. Uh, This is a special Saturday edition of the show and a true honor and dream come true for me because on the phone with me today is my favorite composer, who wrote the movie for, or wrote the music for the movie Kickboxer and Bloodsport, Mr. Paul Herzog? Welcome to the show, sir.
1: Thank you. Welcome to you, too.
0: So, how are you doing this evening?
1: I'm just fine. It's kind of like 80 degrees here in sunny California.
0: Oh, wow. Wow. So, uh, before, before I take you into the past, Paul, because that's going to be my favorite segment of the show. Um, can you can you tell us a little bit about your um, your new album first before we go into the into the past?
1: Right, I have a new album coming out uh, next week. Uh, that'll be the first last week of January, twenty fifteen. Mm-hmm. Called called Waking the Dragon, and I've written this as a tribute to you guys, the people that are fans of. Kickboxer and Bloodsport, and I'm hoping that you'll like it. I've gone back to some of the feelings and attitudes I had when I wrote those. Mm -hmm. Uh, I got all new music, but some of the same sounds I used back then. And I had in mind a story as I was writing, and it's uh, a martial arts story. I'm not going to get into that right now. I'll post it on my website next week, Mm -hmm. what I was thinking about, and uh, anybody can read it that wants to. But I'm real excited about it. It sounds really good. It's uh, got some modern sounds and some old sounds.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And
1: some some of my typical feels for fights and for meditation.
0: Awesome, awesome. Um, also, also, Paul, um, I want my listeners to know uh, they need to really pick up your album that you also released, uh, Freeing the Waters. I really enjoyed that album as well.
1: Right. Uh, That album consists of stuff I actually wrote back around the same time I was writing the movies, Freeing the Waters. Um, I just hadn't gotten around to getting it recorded properly because I didn't have the equipment to do it. Mm -hmm. But uh, about six or seven years ago, I got the equipment to do it, and I finished it at home in my home studio and put it out there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And That inspired me to start writing some new music. I hadn't really written anything new for a long time, so... That's why I'm so excited about my new one, but yeah, I had to I had to do freeing the waters to get it out of my system. I had to put that stuff down. It'd been sitting around too long,
2: and mm-hmm. I
1: really wanted to hear it, and I wanted other people to hear it. Mm-hmm. So, yep, yeah, there it was.
0: That that make that makes a lot of sense, Paul. Uh, c- can you tell us uh, what inspired you, or how you uh, came about being a composer? Because I
1: think that would be an interesting story in itself. Well, I never intended to be a musician or a composer professionally. Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, I
1: grew up in a musical household. My parents were classical musicians, and I studied classical music all the way through high school and college, Uh, studied piano and bassoon. Uh, When I got to college, I got sort of sidetracked and fell in love with rock and roll, and Mm -hmm. By the time I got out of college, I decided I wanted to be a rock musician. Um, I was naive enough to think I could uh, go to New York and write some songs and get a record deal. Um, I don't think the songs I was writing then were very good, and I didn't get a record deal. And so then I just started playing in bands, and I played in bands for a number of years, and I wasn't really writing my own music um, for quite some time. Mm -hmm. And then I got involved long story short, with some guys that were uh, scoring a low-budget film. They asked me to come in and program synthesizers and drum machines and help arrange things. And I ended up uh, writing some of the some of the music because they needed some rock music, and the producer really liked it. And I found that I really, really liked writing to film. It inspired me much more than just sitting around on my own. So my best music generally comes when I'm uh, watching a story and trying to figure out where, where the emotion is and let my music give it some emotion. Mm-hmm. So that was uh, the start of it. And I got really kind of lucky and fell into some things, including so,
0: Bloodsport. Mm-hmm. So it's like right place, right time type of thing?
1: Yeah. Well, it took me a lot of years to get to that point, And knowing a lot of people... But yeah. It was uh, right place,
0: right time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now here here's an interesting question, Paul. Um and I'm not I'm not doing these particularly in order, but uh are you aware that there's a uh, kickboxer remake?
1: I've seen it online, I've heard about it. Um nobody's mm-hmm. <laughs> nobody's called me about it. Mm-hmm. Um I uh, you know I'd sure love to uh, write some more music for films and I'd sure love to do that but mm-hmm. we'll see we'll see what happens see if anybody ever <laughs> finds me and talks to me about it
0: yeah because I, I I would love to see you work on the project honestly
1: right um, I think so would a lot of a lot of people including me but, mm-hmm. well you know Hollywood's a funny place and once you mm-hmm. uh, get out of the business it's pretty hard to get back in
0: yeah. 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 That that okay. makes Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So um now I wanna jump into you know, real quickly here, Paul, I wanna jump into my uh favorite uh segment of the show because uh I have made it my mission to actually track you down specifically for this story as people people may not realize it, but there's actually uh, two versions of the Bloodsport soundtrack. One was only released, um in Germany, which I have both actually. One was only released in Germany, and right. then you, you re-released, uh, one here in the U.S. back in 2007. Can you kind of give us the backstory on exactly what happened? Because there are some differences between right. the two. Soundtrack for, for example, well, two good examples is uh, uh, "Fight to Survive" is not performed by Stan Bush, and then on track six of "On My Own Alone," there's an extra, there's like an extra vocal part in there. Right,
1: I can I can give you the full story here. So, uh, Bloodsport. Well, I scored Bloodsport in 1987. Um, and by the way, I have liner notes that are on my website that explain a lot of what happened that anybody can read if they want to. Um Canon didn't want to release it, apparently, because it took them a year to put it out. And then everybody, including Canon, was surprised by how well it did. And a couple years later, I think it was about 1990, uh Canon was going through some changes. They had changed their name to Pathé. They were trying to start making big-time movies. Um, unfortunately, they didn't last very long. Uh, and I got a call from the new music director for Posse, and he said that some folks in Germany wanted to put out a Bloodsport CD.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I'm going to have to back up for a minute. When I recorded in 1987 the songs with Stan Bush, he was under contract to a record label, and the record label told us we could not use his voice anywhere except the film. So I had some legal papers saying that Stan's voice could not be used on a CD at that point.
2: Uh-huh.
1: So um, the guy in charge of music, Joachim, uh what was his name? Jochem was his f- first name. Um, he told me that we'd have to use a different singer. So he hooked me up with a guy named Paul Delf, uh-huh. who also had a little studio at his disposal, and he could engineer. So I went and worked with him. We re-recorded the vocals and remixed and i added a verse to on my own Alone." Um, i did that myself uh, without my writing partner i just felt that on a record it ought to be a longer version um, mm-hmm. that's where that came from i just i like a song to be a song in the film it only has one verse
2: mm-hmm.
1: so i uh, i threw in another one just for fun um... i don't know if anybody liked it or not um, and that's why the songs are different. That's why the uh, singer was different. It was for legal reasons. <laughs> uh, now uh, that CD, all that happened was I, I was involved with Paul in re-recording, but he engineered uh, the songs are the two songs are about twice as loud as anything else on the CD because he was an engineer, but he wasn't exactly a trained engineer. He just made them as loud as he could. And gave them to passe. Uh-huh. They sent everything to Germany, and somebody in Germany put things together. They didn't even bother to uh, level the the le- you know the sound levels of anything. So some of the stuff is louder than others. They didn't do anything that I could see except throw them together. Uh-huh. They put them in the wrong order. They spliced things together that didn't go together in the movie. I, I was pretty disappointed with it. But, uh, you know, I had nothing to to say about it. Um, Canon owned the movie Music, um, and that's usually what happens when a composer, is a, a new composer working in the business. The company owns the rights to the publishing. So I didn't really have any say in it. And then, you know, fast forward many years later, when Rob Esterhammer at Perseverance wanted to put it out, well, he worked with me. And so we got new digital copies of all the mixes. And then I put them in order. I put them in the right order. Uh, we tweaked certain uh, levels. Um, I edited out some noises <laughs> that shouldn't have been there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I'm really happy with it. it that's as good as it's going to sound, given the fact that it was recorded in the 80s and I was using pretty primitive music. I'm sorry, pretty primitive instruments. So uh I, I'm happy with that. Uh, that's to me, is the music to Bloodsport as good as it's going to get?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, if anybody wants it, um, that's where to get it. I don't know if there are any kicking around left because I think he sold out, but there might be a few around here and there that mm-hmm. uh, certain record companies might have online for sale.
0: Yeah, because I I know I know when I was looking for the Blood uh, Bloodsport soundtrack at first, um, my brother got me the Germany version. Uh, for Christmas, and I was like, you know, this is pretty cool. And you know, I I was kind of, you know, I was kind of upset that Stan did not do uh, Fight to Survive, but I was still, I was still right. quite pleased with it. And I I did like the fact that there was an extra, like an extra line and on my own, and that was really really cool. Okay, really enjoyed great. that.
1: Oh yeah, I forgot to tell you that uh, when Rob wanted to put out the new version, he actually went and. Made a deal with Stan to get you Stan's original vocal, so I was really happy with that. Oh wow, that,
0: that, that that's amazing! I mean, I, I'm I'm loving this, Paul. This this is great. This is awesome.
1: <laughs> well, it's good to talk about it. Uh, oh. You know, bloodsport and kickboxer have been good to me over the years. Oh. Uh, he- I never I never expected. Yeah, you know. You know I don't think anybody expected it to do what it has done over the history of its uh, life here. I mean, it, it's, it's a film that everybody still likes,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, and it's really cool. So.
0: Oh, oh yeah, it's 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 uh, it's what it, it's it's my all-time favorite, actually, Paul. And as a homage to you, I've actually I actually covered um, "Fight to Survive" and "On My Own Alone."
1: Cool. Yeah, I think you sent me the fight to survive. Yeah, so, I,
0: yeah.
1: A rough and rugged version.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's it's nowhere near as cool as your version, but as a homage, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah,
1: yeah, uh, I enjoyed, I enjoyed it.
0: I, I'm, I'm glad. Um, and also, Paul, um, you here recently? You just uh, re-released. Uh, The Kickboxer soundtrack, Uh, can you talk about why you decided to do a re-release and some of the differences in the new and old releases of those
2: two?
1: Originally, um, right after Kickboxer came out, uh, somebody, and I'm not even sure who, uh, released a CD with the songs on it um, in Germany. And some people even claim there was one in America, but I haven't seen it. I have a copy of the German one. Mm-hmm. Um, it has just the songs on it, plus it's one of my uh, cues, the last fight cue I remixed for an uh, album. And it also has a song on it that I wrote that was going to originally be the end, the end credit song, but it was a ballad, and the, the producer decided he wanted an up-tempo rock tune, which I agree with, was a better idea. But I put that on the the song CD. And then, you know, I never heard anything from it. I've never been paid a dime for it. Um, but that's beside the point. But then, uh, I forget what year it was, about 2005 or six, I got a phone call from uh, this guy with a slight German accent, Rob Esterhammer, telling me he was going to put out the first Kickboxer uh, underscore tra- uh, soundtrack. You know, Mm -hmm. no songs, just my music. And that we put together. Uh, I I helped him master it and sequence it. In fact, I was the only one that had copies of of the music. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, I had already thrown out the wide tape because (laughs) we needed a room in our garage. Um, But I had uh, a a master mix saved on a primitive uh, DAT-type format. And the uh, studio where I recorded and mixed still had the machine that played it. So we went down there and mastered it from that. And that was the first one that came out. And then just recently, Rob decided he wanted to re-release that plus all the songs in the movie. Uh So he went out and made deals with everybody to get the uh, songs. I I think there was one song he left off because he couldn't get a decent copy of it. It just didn't work. But other than that, everything, all the music from the film is, is on that CD. And um, it sounds fine. It sounds good. It, it's, it's the same underscore music that was on the earlier Perseverance release, plus, plus the song. So that was, that was, that was cool. I, I haven't talked to him for a while, so I don't know how many of those he's sold yet. So they might still be available if anybody's interested. Wow, that's a, yeah, that's a, that's a good that's a good uh, CD, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, by the time I did uh, Kickboxer, I knew a lot more about film music and writing for movies and also recording. And I think, to me, the the songs and the the score of Kickboxer are better than Bloodsport. That's just personally for me. Mm-hmm. I know that most of the fans out there prefer Bloodsport, but. I just felt that I had become a much better composer by kickboxer time. Yeah, I really, I really enjoy listening to that music. And plus, I had some, more some better equipment by then.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, now, now when it came to when it came to finding someone to do fight to survive and on my own alone, uh, was it like a really tough challenge for you? Was there anybody else that you were considering? Um, how did yeah, you, I, plan,
1: you know, I, I had been working with all kinds of singers. That's how I made my money. I sort of recorded or, or produced and arranged artist demos and songwriter demos, and I met a lot of singers and worked with a lot of different people in L.A. And there were a number of singers that uh, I considered, but it came down to Stan was the guy the producer Mark light liked. Um, Mark fell in love with his voice. Mm-hmm. And, you know, certainly I liked it. I mean, I'd known Stan for a long time. I even played on one of his albums in 1983. And he, you know, I'd, I'd known him for seven or eight years when I did Bloodsport. And, you know, he was the voice that the producer wanted. as simple as that. I mean, you know, he was one of the ones I considered, and he was the one that we chose. hmm Oh, wow, because... And, and, and I'm I'm totally happy with the way it came out. It was perfect, perfect mm-hmm. for the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's He's got a great voice.
0: Oh, yeah, because I, I remember having... I wanted to share this with you real quick, Paul. I remember having uh, Stan on the show, and he actually recorded me a personal promo and put um, uh, Fight to Survive behind it. And um, he's like, wow, he says, I can't believe I actually sang that high.
2: You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: I knew he could sing that. I I wrote it in that key, so he'd have to stretch a little. But I knew he could hit those notes. So, but um, oh,
0: cool. uh, as far as Bloodsport goes, did did any of the songs actually get cut that you wanted to see make it in the film?
1: Well, originally, I had found uh, two other songs. One where steal the night is. I'd found another song. And then the end credits were going to be another song. And I found a couple of songwriting partners, uh, not of of mine, but people I knew, um, had some really perfect songs. And Mark DeSalle, the producer, okayed them as long as Stan sung them. And then Cannon wouldn't pay for it. Cannon pulled the money. And so I couldn't do it. Um, Mark decided he wanted to use Fight to Survive twice at, at the end credits as well as where it is in the fight scene the first day mm-hmm.
2: uh, so
1: that end credits were okay and then uh, basically the one of the uh, people in the music office of Canon had a boyfriend that had a song uh, that was Steal the Night I don't think they gave him any money they just put it in the movie um, and he was happy to do it for the credit and for the royalties and mm-hmm. I think it's probably done him well over the years uh, having that movie there and then at f- some point over the last 10 years, Steel and the Night became a big hit in Germany, uh, just as a single. So, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> this movie, Bloodsport, has had uh, a magical life. I don't know how and why it happened, but it all sort of worked.
0: Oh, absolutely. And it's like, I don't know if you know this, Paul, but I've actually personally trained under Frank Dukes. And uh, mm-hmm. when I first met Frank, he actually said to me, he says you know more about me than I do. So,
1: <laughs> right. So. Yeah, I only met Frank once. Um, uh, there was a big uh, screening at Canon when the film was finished.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I met a lot of the, the people. Um, you know, I work in post-production, so I don't generally meet anybody that's actually involved in the filming except for the editor and the director and and the producer um, i i did meet jean claude a few times cuz he would always be coming into the mess at the mixing sessions uh-huh. for the film but mostly i i just met the post production people so you know um at that uh release party i got to meet a lot of people and frank was there you know i got to meet some of the actors
2: <laughs> so that was the,
1: actually at that particular party was one of the highlights of my life i was Sitting right behind the director, Newt Arnold and his wife. And at one point during the flashback scene at the beginning where he was a little boy mm-hmm. the director the director's wife turned around to me and said, Paul, you saved this movie and that was like oh I couldn't believe it. That was a great a great moment in my life. The director's wife actually telling me that. It was pretty Oh
0: cool. wow. Wow. Yeah, I actually know I actually know like David Worth as well. I know a lot of these mm-hmm. people that you speak of. So right. uh, right.
1: yeah. I listened to your uh, to your interview with David uh, a few weeks ago.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I've oh, seen cool. him for for a long time because you know he he co-directed Kickboxer and mm-hmm. I got to know David. He's a really nice guy.
0: Very nice. And actually, it's funny you mentioned David because I told him that um, I had you booked for the show. I just told him that. I would just have to be very, very patient. So, and uh, he he was excited to hear about that. So,
2: right,
1: right. He was one of the people that supported me when other people decided they didn't like me anymore. <laughs> he was a very nice man.
0: Well, I will always be a fan of yours, Paul. To be honest. So,
1: thanks, thanks so much. Uh, I appreciate it.
0: Uh, and, so, uh, oh. uh, but. Uh, like, what was, like, when you, when you were composing both of these albums and stuff, what was the most challenging and hardest part of composing these
1: films? Uh, well, the hardest part was the uh, time pressure. Um, generally speaking, the composer doesn't start working until the edit is finished. The editing needs to be locked. You know, you can't be changing timings. Once you know you can't have the film editor take frames out once the, you know once the composer's working because mm-hmm. the music has to f- hit the right places, so almost always the composer gets the film later than originally promised, but mm-hmm. the actual sound mixing stage has been booked for a certain date, so there's always this squeeze. Um, I did one film where I had two and a half weeks to write an hour's worth of music and record it. That was nuts. Uh, with Both Bloodsport and Kickboxer I had about five weeks.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And oh, wow. It, it took me about a week and a half to two weeks to do the recording.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I had about three, three and a half weeks to write. So there's always a lot of pressure. You know, you, you, as a film composer, you don't have time to sit around and worry about things like, well, I can't think of anything. You have to think of something. And not only do you have to think about it, but you have to get it, Written and orchestrated that day, and generally speaking, I have to write three to four minutes of music a day. Mm-hmm. So I was working seven days a week, about eighteen hours a day, uh, on both of those films, and that's the only way I could get it done. So, so I'd say time pressure was the biggest factor. Um, finances were another factor because on the films I did, I would just get a, a lump sum of money, and. I had to pay for everything. You know, the the uh, companies weren't going to pay for anything. Mm-hmm. So they gave me a sum of money, and I had to pay for the musicians. I had to pay for the studio. I had to pay for the engineering. I had to pay for anything extra like tape, because um, that was still in the days of tape. It wasn't digital yet. Uh, I think on Budsport, I spent $1,000 just on tape. Mm-hmm. Um, and that this was 1987, remember, $1,000. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. More than it is now. Um, that was a big part of my budget, uh, and then you know I, I had to uh, work in somebody else's studio and pay for it. <clears throat> and I think I spent 133 hours in the studio in this studio, and that was you know I forget how much an hour I paid, but that was quite a lot. Oh wow! Yeah. So so then if there's anything left over, I get to make some money, and yeah. I did save a little bit for myself, but not very much. It, it, I didn't get paid up front what, what I probably should have earned, but eventually the royalties came in and, and, you know, I got paid back. I definitely got paid back. It yeah, definitely worth it, but it it took a while.
0: Well, that, that's good to know, Paul, because you know, cause you never know in this business. You just never know because stuff does happen, you know?
1: Well, yeah. Uh. Uh, believe me, I know. I've been on both sides of the fence, where I got good good money and where I got cheated. I've been both places. Mm-hmm. So I know what it's like.
0: Yeah, and I I wanted to say a good friend of ours um, helped create your new album cover, and I just right. think the new album cover is awesome.
2: Right,
1: Chadwick, Chadwick St. John. Yeah. Right, he's become one of my new best friends. He's done some awesome art. And, you know, people can, again, look on my website and see it. I'm going to put some more of his art up on Mm -hmm. my website over the next week or so. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I should be able to post a link to being able to buy that CD, too, next week.
0: And it it should be on iTunes as well, right? Correct?
1: It will will be on iTunes eventually. Mm -hmm. Although I would... Say that iTunes is going to be MP3s, and they're not as good as uh, the CD itself. Yeah. And I think CD, CD Baby now you can actually uh, get uh, uh, a type of download that is pretty much the same as what's on the CD.
2: hmm And I don't
1: think it costs anymore. You just have to know how to do it, and I'm not sure I know how, but that's what they're telling me. And I'll try and post some uh, instructions on my website when I figure it out. But, but you can can directly from C D baby download C D mm-hmm. quality uh files.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Called F L A C,
0: whatever that stands for. Yeah. F L A C files. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, it's it's become a it's become a digital age, Paul. I mean Oh yeah. What what do you think of that? I mean, compa- because I remember growing up we used to like set tapes and, and now everything's C D or digital nowadays. Right. Well,
1: when I grew up, we had records.
0: records. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm.
1: and then we had tape recorders with reel-to-reel tape, and then we finally got cassettes that were good. And then all this digital stuff started happening. I personally love it because it enables me to do what I do. Mm-hmm. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't sit at home and do the kind of music I do now in the old days because I wouldn't have been able to afford the machinery. Yeah. But because uh, digital stuff has become so affordable i can actually record well and if if you record digitally now uh as a synthesizer player you're going to get a lot of cd it, you'll you'll see what i mean it just really hits you in the face
2: yeah you know yeah.
1: analog synths are great in some ways but the drum sounds can be a little flabby and you hear that on kickboxer and and blood sport um that's why I use so much real drums and on top of uh, my synthesizer drums, but with these new digital samples, boy, they really punch, so, you know, I'm looking forward to your hearing it, so you'll, you'll, you'll see what I mean.
0: Oh, well, you know, I'm like a little kid at a candy store. I can't wait to hear it either, Paul, and, uh, you know, uh, t- talk a little bit about your track uh, April Fool's Day off of Freeing in the Waters because... That is actually one of... I mean, the whole album is good, but uh, April Fool's Day is like my favorite track. Of the...
1: Yeah, that's mine too. Um, I wrote that, let's see, that would have been about the summer of 1989, uh, just after I finished Kickboxer. And for various reasons I don't really want to get into, uh, a lot of business things were going bad for me.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: mm-hmm. that was sort of my escape. And I don't know where that song came from. I wish I could write ten more of them just came out of the blue like sort of turning my mind off to a lot of negative stuff and coming out with something positive and I, I really, I really like that I, I took some interesting sounds sort of started with the sounds and, and started playing around there's actually a repeating pattern that you hear a little bit in the quiet places that goes through the entire song it's just the same thing you don't hear it all the time and that's good because it would be boring if you did but that's where I started, and then I just, all these melodies just came out of nowhere, and I put them down, and I didn't write any of the music on paper. I just did it all in my head and on the computer, and there it was. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I think it's one of the best things I've ever written. Uh, and it's I, interesting, uh, an interesting story about that, if, if if you have the time.
0: Oh, we've uh, we've got plenty of time, Paul, as long as you need... A very
1: dear friend of mine who is no longer with us was at that point. He, he was a crazy, crazy guy, and I dedicated that CD to him. He was buying wine for Robert Redford. Mm-hmm. Um, don't ask. I don't know how that, that that happened. And one day Robert was going to be, uh, he worked at a restaurant at the time. He, Robert was going to be in the restaurant, and he left him a copy of that song. Mm-hmm. My, friends, my friend Steve, hoping that uh, Redford would like it and put it in a movie. Unfortunately, Redford didn't show up, <laughs> so he never heard it. But I thought that was a, always a really nice thing. Uh, maybe it would have ended up in some movie if uh, the right guy had heard it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. These are the kinds of things that happen in showbiz. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't.
0: Oh, I- yeah, absolutely, Paul. And, uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you too: what uh, made you to uh, decide to actually release a uh, intermin- uh, instrumental version of um, It's Off the Tip of My Tongue, Still of the Night on the CD? Because I was kind of I-, I was kind of hoping for an in- instrumental of uh, Fight to Survive, which I was a little disappointed there, but that's okay.
1: Well, Steal the Night, I had nothing to do with. Um, Mm -hmm. I wanted to put it in score order, not the first song on the uh, CD, but Rob uh, wanted to put it first. And the instrumental version, I don't know. I had nothing to do with that um, because I didn't write it. Uh, Rob dealt with uh, the guy that wrote it, and they must have had some kind of agreement that that would happen.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. I don't know... uh, I, I can't. I, I honestly can't tell you about that because mm-hmm. I don't know what happened. You know, Rob. Rob is the president of the company, so he got to do what he wanted. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and I mean, that's okay. If it's his business. Mm-hmm. I don't want to put him down because he's been very good to me. He's been a very good friend.
0: Yeah. It, it, and while I got you on here, Paul, uh, when I when I release the show, do I have your permission to actually put in April Fool's Day? into this into the show so um people can actually hear hear that track
1: Uh, absolutely absolutely Uh, i'll 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 send you an email that gives you permission okay
0: uh, okay because i just you know because you know copyright reasons and and all this other stuff and right
1: right well since i actually own all of that lock stock and barrel it's not a problem
0: yeah, because I I just you know I would just like to add that in into this uh, into this broadcast you know because I thought that would be pretty cool. So. Sure,
1: that's not a problem.
0: So, um, what is your what is your expectation expectations for twenty fifteen, Paul? I mean, you're already releasing a new album already, you know.
1: Well, I'm hoping that people will find it and like it and and actually buy it. You know, it's really hard for musicians and composers these days because so many people will just uh get downloads for free. I'm hoping people will actually buy this one just so they can have the physical copy, see the great artwork on it, and have the sound that's not MP3 quality. I'm hoping, you know, I'm not doing this to make a lot of money because, you know, on... Freeing the waters, I just finally broke even last year. Um, I thought yeah. I paid off for my expenses. I still haven't really paid myself anything. It's just uh, I did actually reach a point where I recouped what I spent to make it.
2: Mm-hmm. So that
1: was good, and I'm hoping that I can at least do that with Waking the Dragon. Um, if if not, I'm, I'm not going to be able to put out any more.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I have discovered that I probably own the rights to the score to Breathing Fire and that I can probably release that but I have to do a little more legal checking on that before I do it legal checking I, mm-hmm. I might be able I might be able to put breathing the breathing fire score out sometime in the next couple of years if if everything works out mm-hmm. and if my copy of it turns out to be uh workable I have it on reel to reel tape and reel to reel tape after a while falls apart
0: yeah. Yeah, that, that's, that's the thing about cassette tapes. Um, I was going to mention, Paul, that, you know, after listening to it for so long, you know, tapes and stuff just lose the sound quality that it first has when you first buy it. So Yep,
1: so, that's so. true. That's why I like digital in, in some ways.
2: Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm.
1: there's always this big argument, and what's better, digital or analog? Um, they both have their good points.
0: Mm-hmm, but
1: mm-hmm. digital... Uh, Holds up longer. Mm
0: -hmm. That's one good point. Oh, 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 yeah, definitely. And uh, you know that—that's why with a lot of my music, like my Bloodsport and Kickboxer stuff, I have it all in my iTunes, you know, library Mm -hmm. backed up several places. Because when I actually met Frank for the first time, I actually had him to sign all my Bloodsport stuff
2: and Mm
0: -hmm. and all that stuff. And what was funny, Paul is. um, I think he was expecting just you know a few things, and i actually ca i actually when I had my private signing with him, I brought in like a whole suitcase of stuff for him to sign <laughs> so, cool. So. That's cool but um I mean to me, Paul talking with you right now this has been this has been a dream come true for me and uh you know, and uh the uh the promo that you made for me last year, um, that's a cool promo. I appreciate you recording that for me.
1: Okay. The, the sound I used on that is the opening sound from my new CD, so you'll uh, you'll recognize that when you hear the CD.
0: Oh, so that's from your new CD? I, I wondered where that actually came from.
1: And it's the same sound I used to open the beginning of uh, Bloodsport. It's an old uh, Yamaha DX7 sound. Oh, wow. I brought up a few things that will make people remember in the new one. Mostly it's new sounds, but I got these classic sounds that people will recognize Mm -hmm. from Bloodsport and Kickboxer.
0: Mm -hmm. And I wanted to mention, too, Paul, I really like the sound that you got for um, Streets of Cyan. I mean, Mm -hmm. everybody knows that one. Once it hits, I mean... Once you hear that first note, you know it's Streets of right. Diane.
1: Right. That was kind of fun to put together.
0: Mm-hmm. One of the
1: good things about Kickboxer was that I had, um, I knew I was going to do that film before it was uh, actually even filmed. Um, Mark DeSalle, the producer, signed me ahead of time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I had all the months that they were filming to work on sounds and to do some rough types of uh I knew they wouldn't actually fit the movie, but I had the basic ideas for a lot of what I did. And I had put together some rough ideas for that song, Mm -hmm. so that was pretty cool. I I think I used like four different bass sounds on it. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. It it was fun to play with that one. Because I had more time, I was able to layer sounds better on that one. Mm-hmm. It wasn't quite such a rush. Mhm.
0: And, and also, Paul, um, I wanted to tell you too. This is just this is just my personal preference. Even though I've already got a copy of this, I would love to see your Bloodsport soundtrack in iTunes, and it's not there yet.
1: Uh, that is probably not going to happen because. After Canon fell apart, uh, the ultimately MGM United Artists got hold of their catalog and they own it and they're not going to probably do that unless they do it themselves. They might do it themselves.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'll tell you it's been very difficult for me to get royalties out of them. Um it took me something like 17 years to get royalties from the German release. Oh wow. Um, maybe it was even more than that. Um I think it was something like that. Yeah, I think that's what it was, something like 17 years. Um, and then I was able to get royalties for the Perseverance release. But uh-huh. then there's some other things that they haven't been willing to give me, so it's hard to do. The film companies have their own way of accounting, and it's not always easy to... Uh, for the uh, lower-level people like me to get the money. Mm -hmm. It's tricky. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So anyway, they're probably not going to put that on iTunes because Mm -hmm. they don't want... Well, they they issued Perseverance a license for a limited number, and that's it. And I don't think that Rob can put it out without their permission. So Mm -hmm. I just don't think it's going to happen.
0: Yeah. Now, no, you have the right to fight to survive, correct? Um,
1: Stan has the right to the master, mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but he doesn't have the right to the publishing. Because Stan's voice was originally not lo- allowed to be used anywhere else, mm-hmm. he was able to uh, get hold of the mastering license a few years ago. I kind yeah. of worked with him yeah. to do that. Um, okay. okay. But that doesn't mean he has the right to use the song anywhere because he doesn't
0: own the publishing. Uh, okay, because because uh, one of my questions for you, Paul, is like, um, uh, eventually, I would love to be able to release, actually release, my version that I recorded onto iTunes. So.
1: Well. That you would have to talk to MGM about, and I don't know what they're likely to say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so. unfortunately, nothing I can. Could, there's nothing I can do about that.
0: That's, yeah, that that that's fine, Paul. I mean, I I would just love to be able to do that thing, but you know, you know, you know how it goes, you know. Yeah, yeah. But.
1: I do know. I do know. I just know that uh, they're pretty they're pretty fussy about their copyrights. Well
0: oh oh yeah, anybody is nowadays, you have to be very, very careful.
1: Right. Uh, now I do know also that lots of people put stuff out and they don't have the rights
0: and you
1: know generally speaking if it's small time nobody's gonna chase you.
2: Yeah. But I, I don't
1: I'm not recommending that.
2: Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm.
1: Because I have had so much of my own stuff stolen from me without my permission. It's not. Uh, it's not fun, and I understand why big companies will protect their copyrights.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's like to this day, people will tell me, you know, you did a good job on that song, and I'll say, yeah, but it's you know, it's not my song. I just had it completely redone in a different way, you mm-hmm. know. So, right. so people people know it's still your track. It's just you know, I did it in a completely different. Different way, you
1: know? I understand. Yeah, sure. still the same lyrics, and they they own them.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, sure. but th- this has been this has been really fun, Paul. Um, before I right. let you go, do you, do you have any closing closing statements?
1: Well, not really. I just really been happy to do this. I'm I've been promising it to you for a long time. It took longer than I thought it would, but I wanted to wait till Waking the Dragon was finished.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it finished, and it's coming out next week, so by golly, it's about time. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've been really happy that you've been collecting me- remembrances of the various people involved in these films. And I wish I knew more of them to have you talk to. You know, the uh- one guy that I knew the best, Mark Tassel, uh has disappeared. I can't find him.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, he left
1: Hollywood a long time ago, and uh I think he's in the computer business up in Washington somewhere, but he obviously doesn't want anybody to find him 'cause yeah, <laughs> but he can yeah uh, he I would be the think. guy he would be the guy that knows everything about these films mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but he's uh hidden himself away,
2: wow, so, yeah, anyway. Mm-hmm. Anyway,
1: yeah, that, I guess I'm, I'm, we're trying to close here, and I keep telling you new things.
2: Uh, thank you,
0: thank you so okay. much.
1: Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I hope that uh, I hope that I said everything you needed me to say. And I do have, for those of you listeners that don't know about it, uh, a website at com, mm-hmm. and I put a lot of stories there about these two movies. Mm-hmm. And so people can read uh, what I didn't say. Today they can read up on them.
0: Oh, absolutely, Paul. Before I let you go, I wanted to share something with you. Um, in April, I'm being inducted into the USA Martial Arts Hall of Fame because of my uh, dedication and hard work on this uh, on this show.
1: So. That's awesome! Uh, yeah, I saw that uh, that you posted that online, but that's really great. Mm-hmm. I'm really really happy for you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I hope uh, you ha- I hope you have a great time.
0: Oh right. it's 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 gonna be a blast and um you know, once I get once I get pictures and stuff done, I may send you like a couple of pictures, you know, through email and and right. and keep in
1: contact with you. So Absolutely, that's fine. So. put some stuff on my Facebook page. Mhm.
0: Mhm. And uh I, I do hope uh I do hope that I get to actually meet you someday.
1: Uh, that'd be great. Uh, oh, yeah. Well I'm in the LA area and you're in West Virginia, so if we're ever uh, one place or the other, we'll get together.
0: Well I actually that may happen, Paul, because um I was talking with um Shokisi who was pompo and kickboxer. Once once he um returns back to the US and moves to LA, I do have clearance um Actually, come visit him and his wife in L.A. Mm-hmm. So, so that may that may happen. Cool. Uh,
1: well, just in touch. Mm-hmm. And I I hope that your uh, listeners enjoy this show. I've been rambling a bit, but I hope they uh, they like my rambles.
0: Uh, I, I'm, I'm sure they will,
1: Paul.
2: Because
0: whether you agree with this or not, you're a true you're a true legend. Oh well, thank you. So, to a lot of people. That.
1: I appreciate that. Uh-huh. Well that's great. So thanks for this opportunity then. And I think maybe uh we should call it an evening, huh? Uh,
0: absolutely now. Paul are you on are you on Twitter by any chance or just, just Facebook?
1: I uh, haven't learned the Twitter thing. Nope, I'm not on Twitter. Mm. I try to advance a little bit with technology but I haven't gotten too far.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, with that said, Paul, I'm gonna go ahead and end the show. So thank you guys for listening. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter at Justin Ray Harvey. Thank you so much, Paul. I appreciate You're it, welcome. brother.